Welcome to Stories of Runeterra. My name is Ravenhood, and I'm just a humble storyteller here to draw you into the vast world of Runeterra by Riot Games. The Riot Games community has crafted an incredible universe and recently released a champion that has my daughter's name. So, <laughs> each month we jump into the Riot Games universe and narrate something from the world of Runeterra. This week's story is Gwen, the Hallowed Seamstress, and Oriana, the Lady of Clockwork. Gwen, the Hallowed Seamstress. The wind in my back feels so good. I can't lose this. I won't. A former doll, transformed and brought to life by magic, Gwen wields the very tools that once created her. She carries the weight of her maker's love with every step, taking nothing for granted. At her command is the hallowed mist, an ancient and protective magic that has blessed Gwen's scissors, needles, and sewing thread. So much is new to her, but Gwen remains joyfully determined to fight for the good that survives in a broken world. Within the long-lost kingdom of Camavor, there once lived a village of people far from the throne. It was here, in the rural colonies, where a humble seamstress made her beloved doll, Gwen. What Gwen can remember of her past, she remembers with love. The seamstress and the doll spent their days crafting, scissors resting in Gwen's still hands as her maker stitched nearby with needle and thread. At night, the two could be found crouched under the dinner table, the seamstress challenging Gwen to makeshift duels, the clash of silverware against scissors echoing in their candlelit kitchen. In time, the game stopped and the light faded. Gwen could not understand why. But whenever she struggled to recall details, she felt a twinge of pain, tied to a man whose name and face escaped her. As her memories washed away with the ocean tide, Gwyn lay still for centuries, quiet and forgotten. Then, one night, her eyes opened. Gwyn awoke for the very first time on a shadowy beach far from home. By magic unbeknownst to her, she had been transformed into a living girl who could move her hands and feet all on her own. Gwen took to life with joy. She skipped across the sand, amazed by how far her eyes could see, how wondrous every pebble was to her touch, and how incredible the wind felt on her back. Along the coast, scattered debris left abandoned for a millennium caught her attention. Lying beside broken chests were oddly familiar tools. Scissors, needles, thread. Gwen recognized them immediately. These were her maker's tools, and when her fingers touched them, a burst of mist glinting with light flowed from her hands. To her, it felt safe and warm, like the soothing embrace of a hallowed past. But Gwen was not the only one drawn to this magic. 
Lurking in the aisles, a different mist swarmed, black in color, it coiled and twisted, forming into fearsome wraiths. Something within Gwen's newfound presence attracted them, something they hungered for with obsession. As the wraiths came for her, Gwen was undeterred. She thrust her scissors at them. To her delight, more of her mist filled the air, enchanting the size and strength of her tools and turning them from mere steel into spectral magic. But the wraiths were relentless. They swelled in number, fueled by the ever-growing black mists. Gwen began to feel a tragic, strangely familiar pain. Surrounded by wraiths, suppressed memories surfaced. She recalled images of her maker, sick and wounded, lying in anguish. Near her was a man whose face finally returned to Gwen. Viego. Remembering his name brought Gwen to her knees. Wistfully, she reflected on the bygone moments spent with her maker. A happier, simpler time and stole one final glance at her scissors. It, it was then that Gwen realized something amazing. Her maker, victim to that man's twisted vanity, was not fully gone. The seamstress's tools, the very tools that first sewed and stitched Gwen together, were now in her hands. Gwen believed this was no accident. She knew, deep down, her maker was still with her, still fighting. This was a gift Gwen would not take for granted. Grasping needles and thread, she spun clouds of hallowed mist to push back the swarming wraiths. Her scissors slashed hard and fast, reminiscent of those blissful nights when her maker imagined grand battles beneath the kitchen table. Soon the wraiths were no more. Though triumphant, Gwen recognized that this was only the beginning. She could sense these wraiths and Viego were linked, both responsible for the spread of immense pain. With no time to lose, she resolved to track the black mist and stop it at any cost. Gwen expected this endeavor to be strenuous, yet she reveled in every second of being alive. <laughs> for who knew how long this blessing would last? Having been given a unique chance at life, Gwen chooses to be an indomitable, positive force mm -hmm. against all odds. She journeys across Runeterra, determined to restore joy to those who are hurt and suffering. To Gwen, each moment is precious, and each step driven with purpose. Well, normally, this is where I would read one of the stories, but Gwen doesn't have a story written for her yet, so we'll keep her eye out for that, and if they ever release one, you know I'm going to have to record it and put it out, because they named a character after, or a champion after my daughter, so I'll take it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oriana, the Lady of Clockwork. When a moth emerges from its chrysalis, does it remember its life as a caterpillar? Once a curious girl of flesh and blood, Oriana is now a technological marvel, composed entirely of clockwork. She became gravely ill after an accident in the lower districts of Zaun, and her failing body had to be replaced with exquisite artifice, piece by piece. Accompanied by the extraordinary brass orb that houses her Hextech arsenal, Oriana is now free to explore the wonders of Piltover and beyond. Nestled among the eclectic storefronts of Piltover sat the workshop of the renowned artificer Corin Revec. Famous for his masterful craft and artificial limbs, Corin's intricate brass designs made the prosthetics both breathtakingly beautiful and often superior to the originals. His daughter, Oriana, served as his apprentice, friendly and inquisitive. She was a natural fit to run the shop, and blossomed into a capable artisan in her own right. Oriana had an adventurous spirit, but her father, fearing for her safety, never allowed her to venture beyond their neighborhood. Instead, he took her to the theater, where dancers, through leaps and pirouettes, told stories of distant lands. Oriana dreamed of visiting these strange and marvelous places, and would scurry home to build clockwork dancers of her own. News of disaster in the undercity of Zahn made its way to their shop. An explosion had ruptured a chemical line, venting clouds of poisonous gas. Oriana insisted they help the victims, but Corin forbade it. Zahn was far too dangerous. So, with many supplies as she could carry, Oriana snuck away in the night and rode the hexdraulic descender into the depths. The devastation was overwhelming. Debris filled the streets, and Zonites walked through the toxic haze, faces covered with little more than oily rags. Night after night, Oriana repaired respirators and installed isofilters. She even gave her own mask to a child who could scarcely breathe. Her father was furious. But soon after her return, Oriana fell gravely ill. Her lungs were ravaged past all hope of recovery. Refusing to accept this, Corin threw himself into his most ambitious project yet. A fully functional, artificial set of lungs. After weeks of sleepless nights, he completed his desperate task and carried out the surgery himself. To keep her from ever venturing too far again... The lungs were wound with a special key Corn kept in his safe. Oriana returned to work, yet the poison continued to spread throughout her body. A father and daughter worked feverishly to develop new implants and prosthetics, replacing each of her organs as they failed. Piece by piece, Oriana's body was transformed from mortal to mechanical until only her healthy heart remained. This long and expensive process cost Corin his fortune, 
forcing him to relocate their business to Zon. But he saved his daughter's life, and for a time, they were happy. Gradually, Oriana began to feel disconnected from who she had been before. Old memories felt like stories. Even her creativity began to fade, and her beloved clockwork dancers became more like masterfully tuned mechanisms than works of art. But even as time seemed to stand still for Oriana, it marched on for her father. Long, lean years brought Corin agonizing chest spasms that meant he could no longer work, and Oriana was forced to provide for him. She'd become profoundly adept at crafting her figurines, even if she took only distant pleasure in recalling what once inspired their creation. The miniature dancers brought in good coin and barter, but never enough to afford the one thing she believed could save her father. For that, she turned to a local Kim Baron. Oriana never asked how the man came by a Hextech crystal. She simply paid what he asked. Even so, before she could use it, the Kim Baron returned demanding a second payment. Then a third. And when the money ran out, Oriana knew his next visit would end in violence. She looked to the crystal device, still incomplete, too unrefined and powerful for a human body. She saw the logical solution. She didn't need her human heart anymore, and Corin needed a heart no one could ever take from him. She spent weeks in preparation, building a clockwork orb, integrating it into her own mechanisms, readying it to house the crystal so that she could defend herself in the journey ahead. Slipping her father a sleeping draught, she commenced the surgery. Corin became one with the last remnant of the daughter he had known and loved. She listened to his steady heartbeat through the night, the quiet hum of Hextech and the beautifully intricate ball by her side. Only then did she realize she had shed the last of her humanity. But she felt no fear or remorse, merely acceptance. She had become something entirely new, a lady of clockwork. She needed to find where in the world's vast machine she might fit. At dawn, she collected the key that wound her lungs, a single pulse from her ball welding it firmly to her back. Then she left for good. Corin woke to find his workshop filled with hundreds of figurines, but among them one he vowed never to sell, pirouetting to an endless ballet, a golden dancer that needed no key. Phyrum. Today's story of Oriana's, written by Rayla Hyde. Oriana walked through the fairground, empty and still in the evening gloom. Sir Feisterly's fantastical fair opened its gates to delighted crowds of Zonites, but twice a year, and Oriana did not want to miss her chance to see its wonders. She had waited until everyone had left for the day, and the rowdy laughter and accordion tunes had fallen silent. Only the low hum of nearby pipelines pumping steam through the chem district disturbed the quiet. 
detritus lay strewn along the ground, colorful streamers and bright balloons mingling with crumpled wax paper that once held sweet jam pastries. Oriana's clockwork ball hovered beside her as she passed a stall overflowing with roses, which, according to a sign, smelled like each day of the week. She walked by a wind-up monkey holding a pair of cymbals and a cart laden with sugar apples. None of these Zahn-born delights piqued her interest. Oriana had eyes only for the glass cabinet tucked into a secluded corner at the far edge of the grounds. A glimmering wink of metal flashed in the moonlight. It came from the mechanical boy sitting behind the glass. Oriana had seen nothing like him, and drew closer, intrigued. He was clad in a midnight blue suit and a silk hat. His skin was a shell of pure porcelain that masked the delicate clockwork gears below, and his eyes shone with glints of silver thread. As Oriana approached him, his lips rearranged into a smile. Can you keep a secret? The boy said. His voice reminded Oriana of softly chiming bells. Hello, she said. Of course. What say we make a trade, my secret, for your name? That seems fair. I am called Oriana. Oriana, he repeated. Such soft sounds. Oriana could have sworn his porcelain cheeks blushed. I suppose it's my turn. My name is Firum. My secret is I fear the outside world. Though I long to see distant shores and far-off mountains. Is that why you live in a cabinet? She asked. Because you are afraid? From here, the world visits me, said Firam. Behind the glass, I am safe. I'm very fragile, you see. He pointed to a hairline fracture on his forearm. There it is. I'm getting old. Firam's mouth opened into a lopsided grin. Oriana giggled and shrugged her shoulders, a gesture she had recently acquired, though she wasn't quite sure she had used it correctly. Oh, you haven't seen my tricks yet, said Firam. He reached into his sleeve and produced a bouquet of daisies with a flourish. Ta-da, he exclaimed, and... Firam removed his hat and dipped his head in a nod. A half-dozen mechanical pigeons fluttered from beneath the brim. He brought his hands together in a clap, and the entire cabinet filled with opaque red smoke. By the time it dissipated... A few seconds later, the pigeons were gone. Oriana applauded in delight. The ball whirred impressed. Wonderful, she exclaimed, like magic. And that wasn't my best execution. Fumbled in my sleeve a bit, he admitted, folding his hands. But small miracles are my specialty, like you finding your way to me in this great city. You above all others. You winked at me, said Oriana. Why? 
We are kindred spirits, you and I, but you already knew that, said Firem. It's why you're here, isn't it? He shuffled his feet. Oriana marveled at the subtlety of this movement. It is just I have never seen another one like you, she said. I'm one of a kind, aren't I? Same as you, said Firem. He gestured toward her mechanical frame and winked again. Oriana smiled. Firem leaned in against the glass. Your smile is... Fabricated, she said. Yes, I am still mastering certain expressions. Beautiful, said Firem. Well, now you are going to make me blush. Oriana's ball, hovering at her left shoulder, nudged her gently. Not now, she told the ball, lifted the mechanical monkey from its stall nearby, and turned its key. It scuttled about the floor, eyes lit with a red glow, clashing its symbols together at every third step before slowing to a halt. You are not like him, are you, Firem? All wound up at the turn of a key, she said. You have a mind. You have thoughts. I may be comprised of cogs and wheels, but I have dreams like anyone. I know you dream of leaving this place. Surely you are lonely behind this glass. Come with me. We could leave now, together, Oriana said. Leave? Firem's expression fell. I'm afraid I don't know what you mean. You have no doubt listened to the countless and restless bustle of Zahn, or heard of the grand marvels in Piltover? Oriana asked. Firem cocked his head. I like to ride the rising howl at dusk, to catch the last of the day's golden rays, Oriana said. From the very top you can see the harbor beyond the sea gates, and the endless glistening ocean. From up there you can imagine the smell of faraway places and lands. Oriana's ball whirred as it spun in the air and nudged her again. I suppose now is a good time as any, she said. Firem, would you like to see the world? We could live together right now. I can protect you. I can't think of anything more wonderful, he said. Oriana circled the glass cabinet in search of an opening. An iron padlock secured a small door at its base. She raised a fist and brought it down upon the lock, smashing it open. A watchman approached them. Oi! Stop that! With a glance from Oriana, the ball shot towards the watchman. It clanged upon impact with his helmet, then hovered in the air as if waiting for a command. Oriana nodded and the ball radiated waves of coruscating power. Caught in the energy flux, the watchman raised his baton and bashed it into the ball, which spun in midair before returning to its target. 
A second watchman ran towards Oriana. She tried to pull Firem through the door, but his chair jammed in the opening. Firem, can you repeat your trick? The ball reverberated with energy as it whirred around the first watchman. His metal helmet fizzled with sparks. My tricks! Firem reached into his sleeve and pulled out the bouquet as Oriana spun away from the watchman. No, the other one! Firem replaced his banquet. The very last trick, she said quickly. The mechanical boy drew the bouquet from his sleeve once more. Oriana spun towards the watchman, her metal dress fanning out in a flurry of sharp blades until the man backed away, baton raised. Oi, get away from him, you, said the watchman. It's our property and you're tampering with. From here, the world visits me, Firem said. He tipped his hat and pigeons poured out. The watchman aimed his baton at Oriana's head. She ducked just as Firem clapped. The baton shattered the side of the glass cabinet and crimson smoke poured from the opening, obscuring all movement. The first watchman had responded to the ball's galvic attacks with a rageful abandon, throwing all his weight into every punch. The ball was relentless, however, and shot a final blast of energy towards his helmet, and the watchman fell down unconscious. Whirring in satisfaction, the ball flew to Oriana. It unleashed voltaic waves towards the second watchman, rendering him motionless. Oriana stepped into the smoke-filled cabinet. She lifted the mechanical boy from his chair, but his legs would not flex to stand. Firem! Firem! We must leave! Leave? I'm afraid I don't know what you mean. A pair of metallic pigeons flew through the broken glass, but dropped to the ground a few feet from the door. Firem, stand up so we can go, Oriana said, her face falling. Please. Oh, you haven't seen my tricks yet, he pulled the bouquet from his sleeve. Oriana ignored Firem's attempt to tip his hat and dragged him, still fixed in a seated posture, from the glass enclosure. Outside, her ball had cornered the second watchman, who had collapsed in a buzzing heap. And that wasn't even my best execution. Fumbled my sleeve a bit, said Firem. You are not... Your voice is... Repeating... Oriana said. His head lolled back awkwardly as she held it upright. My secret is that I fear the outside world, he said. Oriana noticed the embroidery lining his jacket. Sir Feisterly's fantastical fare, friendly Firem. He was nothing more than a simple automaton. The spectacle for the crowds. I was certain you had a mind, had thoughts like me, she said. Firem looked up at her with eyes that glinted with silver. I'm one of a kind, aren't I? He shuffled his feet nervously, though they were in midair. Same as you. 
the ball returned to oriana and whirred gently we should go she whispered she set firem back upon his chair which she placed just outside the shattered glass cabinet i wish you well small miracles are my specialty he said like you finding your way to me good-bye firem oriana said softly the two watchmen lay unconscious on the ground and the ball hovered at her side as she walked away she did not look back until she was clear of the park's towering gates as she turned she thought she saw a glint of metal winking in the distance well that was i really enjoyed those it's it's interesting so we've got like shadow isles and some piltover and zon but i kind of wanted to go with the with the rob the robot the robot theme um i think i like some aspects of gwen's biography because there's this idea of hope which in my own meditation i try and do some of my own meditation to make sure that I'm being mindful and thinking through the world and um, I do so in a particular tradition and one thing that I've been reflecting on a lot recently is hope which is really bizarre I don't know um, I've just been in a I've been in a good place myself but there's just been a lot of things that are difficult because they're things that I see are wrong in the world and there's not a lot that I will be able to do to immediately affect them. So, like, in what, and for me, what I'm doing and reflecting in that is on hope. And for me, that's because there's a lot more to this world than meets the eye. I'll put it that way. Um, and so, having hope in that, uh, hope in something beyond humanity's ability to help itself which it can do to a degree but it needs some help from outside um but hope's been neat and there's i feel like there's this little subroutine since we're talking about robots of hope within the story of gwen that she can despite not knowing the greater circumstances of what are going on around her to be tenacious in a moment with what she has at hand which is really kind of what I'm doing in some of my own stuff so in in real life and then Oriana is just tragic and what sometimes happens when we do our best to help people and then we I mean anyway there's a lot to reflect on in Oriana but I think I did some already did some deep reflection with uh, Gwen so let me know if you guys enjoy you guys and gals um, or other uh, if y'all enjoy um, my reflections like if I get a little deep little philosophical because to me that's the whole point of stories the story really isn't good if it doesn't make you think or it doesn't at least have the have the capacity to make you think or at least reflect because I think that's what's so valuable about stories myself but let me know if you enjoy those if you want me to ramble a little bit longer on the two stories if it would even be interesting if I brought on somebody else that would be 
someone that could just wax philosophically on what's going on and we'll go from there so yeah thanks hit me up on instagram and twitter i i'm on there some not a ton but some so that's something and we'll catch you next month if you have a champion or theme you want me to hit in champions let me know i love taking y'all's requests because sometimes i just pick stuff out of my butt like i did today (laughs) all right um Yeah, I'm just, I'm listening to a book on Audible about Critical Role, and they've got a thing that says, don't forget to love each other, and uh, leave the world a little better than you found it. And I really like those two things. So, anyway, look forward to hearing and seeing y'all next month.